Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by the amazing Kelly Travis. We talk about mental health, sports, and relationships. And if you want to hear more from Kelly after this interview, which I'm pretty certain you will, check out her podcast, She Doesn't Settle, and find the rest of her work in the show notes. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Kelly Travis. Welcome to My Wax Museum. Hi, Alex. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I'm excited to have you here as well. I, I loved our previous conversation, which is kind of how we start off every interview is with how we know each other. So do you want to fill the audience in on how we initially got in touch? Yeah, we connected over your other podcast and I got to experience the quickie interviews, which was super fun. Um, and you're such an excellent interviewer, so... Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I try. I I was thinking about it today. I'm like, I'm not sure I ask great questions, but I do get good answers. Uh. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that. I have great conversations with a ton of my guests. And when I had you on Broken Bulbs, I'm like, I feel like Kelly's got more just uh, more stories to tell. And, and you, you said you're writing a, a memoir right now. So yes. th- that might be good that all those stories are kind of fresh in your mind right now as you're they sorting are. through your life anyways. Yeah. Uh, so with that, let's get into it then. Where are you from originally? Um, I'm originally from Michigan, um, just outside of Detroit in the suburbs. Okay. And what what was that experience like growing up in, in Michigan? Uh, you know, I feel like we all think of our, you know, youth as you know, it was normal for us, right? Until you kind of leave and grow up and go, oh, well, that wasn't really normal. <laughs> um, but I would say it was a typical, like, you know, Midwest upbringing. Um, my parents were married. I had a younger brother, have a younger brother, um, was very involved in athletics and saw, you know, my family a lot because they all lived pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, it was normal. Yeah, and until you get older and you go, well, wait a minute, that I thought that was weird, but okay. <laughs> you're you're right? like, wait, yeah, 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 it yeah. It felt like it was normal. <laughs> yeah, What? okay, what's an example of something that you look at and growing up, you're like, yeah, this is the norm. And then now looking back on it, you're like, maybe that wasn't so normal. Yeah, I think broader, you know, less specific. I just grew up in a family that didn't talk about anything you know, we kind of swept everything under the rug. Nobody had emotions, you know, everything was fine. Right. Um, anything major you didn't talk about, you know, even like as I was growing up, my mom didn't have conversations with me about like, you know, sex and getting your period, just anything like that. Didn't talk about it. Right. Um, and part of that I think is her own stuff. She wasn't comfortable. Neither one of my parents, with a lot of things. Um, And then like more specific, I just come from a family like many people do with some mental health issues on both sides. And I grew up, you know, with aunts and uncles that really had some challenges and, you know, I was uncomfortable, but didn't really think twice about it. And now as an adult, knowing everything, it makes a lot of sense, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw a meme once where uh, they they said me figuring out 
what you know what all was going on in my family as i was a kid and it was the numbers going in front of the guy do you know the the gif i'm talking about where they're like wait a second and that connects to that and that makes sense okay yeah yeah it all starts to make sense <laughs> as you're an adult i feel like most of adulthood is processing childhood uh <laughs> <laughs> so so at what point do you remember thinking, oh, wait a second, you know, maybe this isn't how I want to live my life. Maybe I want to talk about these things. Maybe I want to address these things. Was there a moment for you? Kind of. I'm not intentional, right? Um, when, I mean, I was a collegiate athlete, went away to school and ended up uh, having to drop out of school with a severe eating disorder. And, you know, that was my first introduction to my own personal mental health. Uh, my, you know, I had an aunt that always went to therapy and was always talking about it. But other than her, who she just like shared way too much, right? Um, I, I didn't have any experience with it. So that opened the door and I resisted it for a really long time. Like, in fact, I'm writing this memoir and I remember sitting in therapy with my therapist for the first time and not talking for like 30 minutes. She just stared at me. <laughs> like really? I refused to talk. I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not talking. Because <laughs> uh, I was so angry. And, you know, at one point, my whole family went together because my illness was a family issue, right? And so then that created all kinds of stuff because um, my dad had, was forced to then talk. So it kind of opened up that door. And now, you know, now my work is in mental and emotional health. But, you know, I never would have seen that at the time. That's so interesting. What an interesting um, push. When, when you were that age, when you were going through it, what did you think you were going to become? What, what did you expect or hope for for your life later on? Well, prior to dropping out of school, because I was sick, I wanted to be an Olympic athlete and be in business. Like that was the goal. Uh, but I was horrible at accounting and we had to take an accounting class. So I second guess that. Um, but then when I was in the hospital, really sick, I, I made a promise to myself, like it is in a journal that I still have that I wanted to be, I wanted to spend my life and my career helping folks with mental and emotional health. And they're like, I didn't know what that was going to look like. And it took me a while to get there, but I had that, I had that thought. Yeah. 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 Was it largely out of your own process that you yes. came to that decision? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I recognized that I couldn't be the only one who was struggling with my own insecurities. And, um, and I mean, I was in a hospital with a whole bunch of people, right. Uh, with all kinds of which is very eye opening. I mean, I was on the psych ward. So you're initially, I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> These people have bigger issues than I do. But then, you know, you start to learn, well, actually, <laughs> you know, we all come from, you know, there's, there's variations of things. So. Yeah. 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 And every, everybody has something yes. that they're dealing with, something that they're working through, whether they end up in a hospital or not, there, there's something, something going on. So yeah. Interesting. What uh, I'm kind of curious about 
your experience going through this with family as well. Um, what what was that experience like processing this as a family? And it did it did it change the dynamic as a whole? Like, ha- has your whole family kind of had an awakening like that? Yeah. Um, so my mom. Hmm. We won't tell her about this podcast. (laughs) She she and I never really, um, I always had a really difficult relationship with my mom and Mm -hmm. I always, she was always a victim. And so I think that that forced me to be the opposite, right? So sometimes we become our parents. Sometimes we say, there's no way in hell I'm going to be that. That's what happened with her. My brother, who was a senior in uh, high school at the time had his own challenges, right? Because suddenly I moved back home. He's a senior in high school. I'm kind of rocking the, the boat by being back and the attention was on me. And so that played a part in his own stuff. Right. But also allowed him to also not be perfect. Right. Cause my dad, I was raised in an environment where we kind of strive for perfection. My dad was a workaholic. He just, everything had to be perfect. Like, don't put your hands on the walls, like, you know, little stuff like that. But also, you know, he, he and I bonded over my, my athletic career. Like that was the thing that he could latch onto, you know, and wanted me to be the best. Well, when I dropped out of college, he thought I was throwing my entire future away. He didn't understand it. Yet his own brother has major addiction. So the, that was a very weird thing. Yeah. And then through it, not immediately, but you know, coming out of all of that years later, he's softened a lot, like very different now. Yeah. So I think the person who's made the biggest shift is definitely my dad. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And it, it shows that there's, there's always time, there's always room to grow and to change and to continue developing as an individual. Now, one of the people that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned her as your favorite person in our quick questions that I always ask beforehand, uh, was your grandmother. Do you want to tell me about her and what, give me some more details on what it is that about her that inspires you so much? Uh, my grandma Sue, who's my dad's mother, my favorite person ever. She, there's just so much about her. She, I used to just sit with her and she would tell me stories about growing up and, you know, she grew up in the depression and they didn't have a lot and she just appreciated little things. And so I learned so much from her in terms of being grateful, you know, recognizing what we should be focused on and, and what we should not like spend days and weeks being upset about, right. Stuff like that. Um, she raised three boys by herself for quite a few years. And as a single mom now, I wish she was here. (laughs) Uh, I think about her all the time. Like, I wish I could just sit down with her a cup of coffee and talk to her about how, how that all went. Um, she just had this raw, real, um, personality. She was the opposite of my mom's side and my mom where 
it was very superficial. The concern was what you look like, what you eat, you know, keeping up with that societal, the societal pressures. Whereas my grandma was, she didn't, not that she didn't care, but she just, that was not where she put her energy. And I, I learned a lot from her, even though, you know, I got sick and, and all of that, I still had her as a, as somebody who kind of guided me in that direction. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you think back to her a lot as, as kind of a role model, as somebody you you admire and maybe even strive to emulate in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember going, my grandparents lived on a farm and so my grandpa, he was a wild one and they divorced for quite a few years, but then they remarried. Um, Okay. So I remember them always being together because it was really during my dad's childhood that they had divorced. So they lived on a farm further up north in Michigan and we would go there all the time. And um, she always wanted to make sure we were well fed and had fun. And, you know, it's just um, she cared a lot about family. Sounds like she had her priorities straight. She did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, future Alex here, just interjecting to mention that My Wax Museum has an Instagram page, which has a ton of bonus content. The Instagram handle is at My Wax Museum. Super easy. It's just at My Wax Museum. We'll see you over there. Now, back to the show. So kind of moving forward now, you mentioned leaving college. What what was after for you? Tell, tell me a little bit, maybe a bit of a travel log of where you went, what you did, and then kind of lead us up to the present moment. Sure. Um, I went back to school. Um, I actually ended up at three different colleges in my time (laughs) during that period. (laughs) Uh, I was still navigating. You know, I got out of the hospital, but I hadn't really shifted from surviving to thriving, right? I, I I looked better. I looked healthy, but I was still a hot mess for the next 10 years. Um, I married, um, the boy that kind of saved my life during that time. And, uh, we were great when I was unhealthy, but anytime I got stronger, we, we kind of fell apart. So we were together for 10 years. Um, most of which he got the, probably the worst of me, um, which is sad to think about, but we, um, ended up getting divorced, man, I think I was 30. It was 30. And during that time, we had moved from, I, we went, we lived in North Carolina and we moved from North Carolina to Las Vegas. And, um, I actually stepped out of working in mental health as a social worker and switched gears and turned, um, and, and my career then became in publishing and, uh, sales. And I was really good at it because I'm a good listener and I like to help people. And, you know, I love relationships and communication. And so I, and I'm very driven. So you put a goal in front of me, I'm going to go after it. And because I had lost my identity with running and that had kind of, I, I was not running at the time, I poured everything into my career. And that's where all my energy went. And I worked on climbing the ladder. And I did. I ended up um, as the director of marketing and the publisher of the magazine division and battling the whole, you know, 
female at the top among a bunch of old white men <laughs> who were getting paid three times as much as I was, yet I was juggling two director level roles. It, it was a lot. And again, I still was a hot mess inside, right? Like everything looked like I had it together, right? Great career. I looked healthy. I was actually then training again for the Olympic trials at that time. And after I got divorced from my first husband, I, I became involved with somebody I met through work. And that was just another, you know, we talked about at the beginning when you asked me the question about a memory from my childhood. And I shared with you uh, about my teacher in second grade who criticized me for my voice. And I think back to that a lot when I think about all the times I never use my voice. I never use my voice with my coach, coaches. Um, I didn't use my voice in my career as much as I, I wanted to. And then I wasn't using my voice when I stepped into this abusive relationship. So there was like this theme right? And I got pregnant <laughs> and felt stuck. Like, what am I going to do now? Right? But at the same time, that pregnancy is what was the catalyst for me to actually finally get my shit together. So that's when I went, okay, I am not healthy enough to bring a child into this world, mentally, emotionally, any of it. I need to figure it out. So... I did that. I did that work, but I was still in this really messy relationship. I did end up leaving the corporate world because I had enough. They tried to um, convince me that I should stay home with my child because they wanted to stop paying me as much. I mean, it's the whole, it's everything you hear about in America. And I was like, F this, I'm going to go out on my own. And so I did <laughs> speed up a little bit. I ended up having a second son. And it was during the time between my children that I really started to gain more confidence, start putting, prioritizing, figuring my own stuff out. This was also when I realized I am not doing what I should be doing with my career. Like I need to go back to the root, you know, to, to where I started. And that's when I started my, I shifted out of my consulting business for businesses and into more of what I'm doing now. Um, but I knew that I couldn't help people if I didn't get, get myself together. So I did all of the emotional work. I did all the physical work and I knew there was one last piece, which was my relationship. And that's when I decided to, well, through therapy, I learned that I was in an abusive relationship and she told me I needed to leave. But that's when that last piece was let go. And, you know, that's kind of where I am now. So now that we're kind of caught up to the present, maybe describe a little bit of what it is that you do. And maybe also, this is probably a good time as well for a little plug. Where can, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, yeah. Um, my website is just kellytravis.net. I have a podcast called She Doesn't Settle. Um, and I use Instagram mostly at Kelly T Health. Uh, what I do is... I do what I needed uh, when I was 20, <laughs> basically. Um, I work with women and men in two different ways. I work inside of org organizations with employees and teams and the organization as a whole 
um, around wellness and communication and leadership and goal setting. And I work with individuals um, and groups in um, my mastermind called Ascend. And that's for women. And, you know, what I needed then was to feel like I could pursue my goals while also prioritizing my health and gaining awareness around what was holding me back and keeping me stuck and allowing myself to kind of color outside the lines, right? I grew up where I followed like, okay, well, you graduate high school, you go to college, then you get married to the person you've been with. And then you do, you know, you buy the house and get the 401k and do all the things, right? That didn't work for me. (laughs) So I'm a big fan of the unconventional way at this point. And I think that giving people permission to to live outside that box, right? And and stop trying to um, live up to all the societal expectations and recognize we got to go after what actually makes us happy. And if that means, you know, you don't, you don't have a nuclear family and you're running your own business and you don't have any kids or you have kids, but you're alone, that's fine. Right. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I like that. I know it feels Maybe a little bit strange to do a plug kind of in the middle of, of the episode, <laughs> but I, I like to do it this way so that the rest of the conversation, we can just kind of flow right yeah. on and, and cruise right to the end. Uh, yeah, I think it's really cool, really cool what you do. And it's apparent to me that you, you put a lot of effort and a lot of thought into what you do and how you help the people, especially based on your own experience. And uh, maybe now is a good time as well to, to mention that the two, two of the episodes you featured on for Broken Bulbs have come out by the time this episode airs. Those are episodes 89 and episodes uh, 122. Uh, so th- this is coming out in November, by the way, to give you some yeah. context. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a little ahead of time, but I, I really like that, uh, that we're getting to share so much of your story and your own experience as well. So now that you're doing this coaching practice, what do you think is the single most important thing that anybody that you interact with on a coaching basis or just in a conversation like what we're having now what what do you hope is the biggest thing that uh, that that people take away and that people, I guess, can go into their life um, with some idea of who Kelly is and and maybe how she's improved their lives through small interactions? How I want people to perceive me? Is that what that is? Yeah, maybe that was an incredibly rambly question. (laughs) It definitely was an incredibly rambly question. But I mean, like the the interactions that you have with people, what do you want people to walk away thinking? I've got this, um, I feel like I'm kind of like, you know, I've got a tough exterior, but on the inside, I'm kind of a marshmallow. Um, And, but I've got an edge, right? And so I'm kind of, I'm no bullshit. And people either love that or they hate it. And, you know, if you interact with me, I, (laughs) you know, I'm going to, I have friends where I am very open with them. They know that I love them and everything I say is out of love. But if I see that, you know, they're not taking care of themselves, I'm going to call them out on it. Um, The same way I do with my clients, a different way, right? You have to respect those boundaries and relationships. But 
I care a lot about people. Um, and I care a lot about seeing people reach their potential and just be happy. And if I can leave anybody with just something um, to leave, like they leave me and they go, oh, you know, that conversation really helped me. Or, you know, that interaction inspires them to do something for themselves or, you know, something like that. That is always, that's what I want. I like that. I like that a lot. So then kind of looking towards your future, what kind of things are you working on? What kind of things do you want to see happen as you go forward in coaching? And I guess any any other project or venture you might have for the next however long you're around? That's a really good question. I think coming out of the pandemic, I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent the last year plus just trying to maintain and to to keep my health and well-being solid because I was taking care of two little boys and we were all home and uh, and I didn't have a lot of time to focus on my business. It was like, okay, I just need to keep it where it is. And if something happens, wonderful. Now I'm finding, I'm really diving into things that that I get excited about, right? So I mentioned in one of your other questions that I think the coaching industry, uh, there's a it's, there's a lot of garbage. So there's a lot of people who lie and are doing it for the wrong reasons. And, you know, I'm very turned off by it and also hate that I am associated with it whatsoever. (laughs) And I, you know, my, my idea of success is different than everybody else's. Right. And I, I think that's a message for everybody. You don't have to make a million dollars to be successful or happy by the way. And for me, I my goal is to find some sort of I, freedom. Personal freedom is incredibly important to me. Um, being able to spend time with my kids, and so I want to continue to build my business in a way that allows for that. I'm not out to make a million dollars. Yes, you heard it here. <laughs> I want to, you know, I like to have other things in my life. I'm a, I'm a competitive runner still, so I race. I travel for those things. That fuels me in a different way. I'm writing a memoir that is has been a goal of mine since I was like 25, and it's finally happening. What will happen with that? I don't know. It might not ever happen, but it's going to get written. <laughs> yeah. So some people will read it. And I think to just continue to to grow my business in a way that feels good, where I can support um, the the folks I work with inside organizations and within my mastermind. For right now, I mean that's ultimately where I'm at. I'm curious about the process of writing a memoir. We've mentioned that a couple times now. What has that been like for you to go through everything and maybe? I don't know if you pick out common threads in your life or you're just telling stories. Tell me about that. Yeah. You know, I'm in a a workshop um, that I keep just staying in because the purpose is to help you write a memoir. And at first, I didn't really know what I was doing, but she's given me some guidance. And I have a lot of journals um, from the time I was, you know, in that period of my time of my life from like 20 to 25. And so I'm starting there. And, you know, this could be one of a couple books in my brain. That's kind of how this is going. 
Um, because this one really is focused on that period of time when I was struggling with the eating disorder. So the process has been, you know, honestly, very difficult. It's hard to go back and get into detail. It's easy for me to give you all the like surface level, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're writing a book, you're getting into the conversations and your thoughts about things and bringing up stuff that really, it can be triggering. Um, and so I had some days where I was really moody <laughs> and really emotional. Um, and it makes you just think about, you know, that idea of the sliding doors, right? I recently read a book called The Midnight Library. I don't know if you have readers that, that listen to this, but it's an excellent book. Um, and it's this idea of, you know, where your life would be if you had done one thing different, right? The whole sliding doors thing. And so I think when you go back and you write stuff about your past, you you naturally go there, right? Like if I had done X, where would I be? And the the reality is I'd it would still be hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Life would still be hard. It would just be different. And um so yeah, it's been an interesting process and has opened up a lot. Um, but ultimately it's also been healing to work through it. So, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it'd be really healing just to, just to go over everything, uh, and, and think through it and have that conversation with yourself. Um, which kind of leads me to my last question. This is the question I like to finish every interview with. And that is at the end of your life, at the very, very end, when you're looking back on everything you've accomplished, everything you've done, the people you've impacted, you know, maybe multiple memoirs from now, what do you think are going to be the things that you'll be the most proud of and satisfied with? My kids, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I've been asked this question a lot lately. Um, I feel like on other podcast episodes where the question is, you know, what is your biggest dream? And personally, it's to raise kind, compassionate humans who are comfortable in their own skin. I just want for my boys what I didn't have. And I want them to feel like they can go after whatever the hell they want. They can be whoever they want. Right. I, and I want them to just be kind humans. Um, and that might seem really small to some people, but that's really, you know, everything else, whatever I do, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm trying to make a difference. But the legacy with my kids is number one. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that. And the rest of your life with me here. And with that, I just want to say thank you for joining me. Thanks, Alex. I enjoyed it. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more so to the people around you, the people from your everyday life that you just happen to know. Make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.